Hello, my oral surgery friends. This is your host, Dr. Grant Stuckey. In this podcast, you will hear surgeons discussing ways to improve the practice of oral and maxillofacial surgery. The goal of this podcast is to evaluate every aspect that a surgeon can improve in order to create a better experience for patients, staff, and the surgeon. Most of the information shared in this podcast will be based on personal experience and opinions. The methods discussed are meant to provoke thought and should be supplemented with research into the approved studies prior to making changes to one's way of practice. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. Welcome to Everyday Oral Surgery. This is Dr. Grant Stuckey. Today I'm joined by Dr. Ian Lehrer. He is an oral and maxillofacial surgeon practicing in Dana Point, California. Ian, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot, Grant. I know you have true commitment to the podcast when you're willing to do this after you've had a baby a week ago. So you're the man. Thanks for having me. (laughs) For sure. Well, today we wanted to talk a little bit about preparing for practice after residency and just kind of get your story. But before we do that, can you give us a brief history of your dental training and surgical training and, and your current setup? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I did my undergraduate education at the University of Georgia, my dental education at the University of Southern California. I did an oral surgery internship at John Peter Smith Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas. And I did my OMS training at Nassau University Medical Center on Long Island in New York. Currently, I'm at Niguel Coast Oral and Facial Surgery. It's an incredible private practice in Dana Point, California. Our practice focuses on full arch dental implants, orthognathics, TMJ, soon to be facial cosmetic surgery. We have our main hub, our main office located in Dana Point. Uh, we have an additional location in Huntington Beach, and uh, we're soon to be expanding into other areas of Southern California. Our office also takes trauma call at a level two trauma center nearby. Excellent. So you recently finished residency and started and joined this practice. What was your process like to figure out where you wanted to be and and what practice to join after residency? Well, I went to all of the Amos, you know, transitions into private practice meetings. And what I decided to do first was pick out a couple of cities, a couple of states that I was interested in working in and living in. Uh, I then did research on the specific cities that I was curious about and uh, different practices in each area to get kind of the lay of the land. And at this point of my journey, I really wasn't too focused on the scope of practice. I created a pretty extensive Excel spreadsheet that had practice name, doctor's name, uh, location of the practice, the scope of practice portrayed at least on their website, contact information, which is available in the Amos directory. And I also spoke to our striker and implant reps who put me in contact with uh, other reps that cover the territory in my areas of interest. And the reps are really an incredibly valuable asset uh, since they know who's doing what, where, how busy a practice is, they're relatively unbiased. And uh, they also have a great sense of the surgeon's temperament in and out of the operating room. I know I had talked to you a little about this on a prior occasion, but where or how did you decide on this practice specifically? And Because you did bounce around a little bit, did you not? Or how, how did it go? Yeah, I mean, I, I interviewed kind of all over the place, all over the country, Nashville, Texas, a couple in California. And I actually met Eric Baker when he was the chief resident 
at Parkland, rotating through John Peter Smith Hospital. And we basically have stayed in touch ever since. And, you know, really keeping in touch with your upper level residents was really the most valuable job hunting strategy that you could ever have. In terms of deciding on this location, that's just really that, you know, this practice was really met at a crossroads of fate and irony. I was born out here in Laguna Niguel and I moved to a suburb in Atlanta when I was only six years old. And uh, I remember visiting Orange County frequently while I was in dental school, and I always wanted to come back. And it just so happened that Dr. Baker purchased this practice the same year that we met each other and he was graduating from Parkland. So, yeah. And with all that said, you did create the spreadsheets and contact a lot of other people beforehand, right? Because you were kind of trying to cast a wide net. Yeah, absolutely. What of all the things you did, you know, beforehand to research out where you wanted to be and what practice you want to join? What was, I mean, you just mentioned that talking to your upper level residents, what else was something that was helpful? I would say going to all of the annual meetings, like the Amos meeting, ACOMS meetings, and just meeting people and staying in contact with everybody. I mean, you really don't ever know who you're going to need when. So it's really helpful to, you know, know people kind of everywhere. And, you know, oral surgery is a very tight knit community. And I feel like this podcast is making it even tighter. You just stay in touch with people. That's a huge one. I mean, I think, you know, the more people you know, and the better relationships you have, kind of the more doors open. Uh, I think most of us take a shotgun approach of just blasting out, you know, letters and emails and all sorts of stuff to people trying to find anything we can but probably more often than not most of the you know partnerships associateships stems from what you're talking about more like personal relationships and people you know as opposed to the the guy's door you just randomly knocked on and and, you know talked to about his practice yeah there's a lot of courses to attend either through any of the cmf companies striker synthes or kls and There's a great observership program through the Osteoscience Foundation that will allow you to visit somebody's practice for two weeks and you you can see, you know, maybe you were interested in living in this area or working with this person. Uh, So, you know, try and utilize all the resources that you have available to you as a resident. Did you consider, you know, opening up something from scratch or, you know, buying out somebody and, and becoming a sole owner or what was your thought process like there? I thought about doing that for maybe five minutes. I didn't really see myself as somebody out of the gate that can take that kind of risk in opening up a practice, especially in a super competitive market like Southern California. I just thought it was overly risky and not necessary. Yeah, so much less stress to to kind of join a practice or a machine that's already working and established a lot of good groundwork. Absolutely. If you can find a practice that's growing and you jump in for me that was ideal okay so talking to people going to meetings basically networking as much as possible so now let's say you found practice you're a resident you found a practice that you really want to join you know you're having discussions back and forth how did it go for you as far as looking at contracts and deciding the agreement there sure thing Nickel coast uh flew me out for a two-day pretty intense interview uh, we were supposed to go uh, have a study club meeting and the study club, I guess, was canceled. And I feel like it was all planned. And they had me, you know, they basically interviewed me in the area that they had the study club in. It was just kind of me versus 
uh, Dr. Batita and Dr. Baker. And it was just rapid fire questions to kind of see how I would handle it. This was kind of, this was in March of my chief year. And, you know, I left having thought the interview went pretty well. You know, Eric and Tim said they had a couple other candidates they needed to speak to and I should hear back soon. And, you know, about a week later, Eric actually sent me a text at like 1130 at night, my time on the East Coast. And he literally just says, hey, you up? You know, luckily I was. And he called me and Tim was on the line and they offered me the position. And I frantically absolutely said yes uh, on the spot. And there was no discussion of salary, terms, conditions, nothing. But, you know, it just felt like such a good fit. It didn't matter. I knew Eric and I got along really well with Tim and I knew this practice was an, a perfect fit for me. I've received the contract about two weeks later after I had already accepted the job. And I made some minor tweaks, nothing too significant. And uh, everything was finalized then and there. You know, as as residents, we're constantly told to hire an attorney for contract negotiations. And this is really echoed in all of the AMIS and ACOMS meetings. But, you know, you really have to consider, you know, your place. You know, you're a soon-to-be grad or a new grad. You haven't had any job experience. Uh, you haven't proven yourself in the private world. You have no referrals. You know, the list goes on and on. Uh, consider your location. You know, are you in a highly competitive area? Are you the only oral surgeon for 100 miles? You know, how much leverage do you think you actually have? And how do you think it looks when, you know, someone extends you a contract offer and you say, well, let me go get my attorney and have them and I'll come back to you, uh, especially with people that, you know, you really feel like you have a, a good relationship with. That being said, you know, after you review your contract, uh, and there's aspects that you either need some clarification, a better understanding, or something doesn't really seem so usual and customary, you know, certainly seek legal counsel. But for the most part, first year associate contracts, they're pretty plain Jane. You know, they're kind of a dime a dozen. Maybe they're three or four pages long. There's another thing if, you know, you want to ask for more money, how do you handle that? You know, if you get your contract and you want to earn additional income, you know, ask the owners for additional ways that you can earn more income as opposed to flat out just asking for more money. Uh, one great way to add to your salary is uh, to offer to take all of the hospital call if your practice has any. And uh, it shows initiative on your part. It makes, their, it makes the partner's lives easier. And it's really a great way to earn additional income and, you know, help your surgical skills as you kind of prepare for boards. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I like what you're saying about reviewing your contract, but not maybe getting caught up in every detail of it. I think especially in your case where you're, you know, you kind of are very familiar with the guys that you would be joining. Probably not a bad idea to, if you've never read a contract or something like that, maybe have, if not a lawyer, another surgeon, you know, who has read contracts and just, hey, would you mind looking this over to make sure this looks routine? But yeah, I think you're saying the right stuff. All of my contracts that I received were reviewed by my program director, other private attendings, and even the other residents. We all looked at it and discussed it. And this way, you know, everyone kind of knows what they look like, what to look for, what seems off or odd. You know, it's really helpful in getting a lot of other perspectives on the contract. That's, that's awesome. And in regards to being an associate, 
I assume there's some contracts, right? That it's just purely you're an associate. And then after X amount of time, you know, then we kind of discuss other things. And then there's probably contracts that are already set up for you to buy in should things go well. Where do you fall in that spectrum? So this is a two-year associateship contract. They're, they already have said that they're looking for somebody to partner into the practice. And certainly, you know, you need to dive into that when before you commit to the practice, if this is a place where you can see yourself long term, or if this is, you know, just a short stint in a location that you're interested in being for that while. In my case, the contract will be reviewed after the first year, and then a new contract will be drafted after the second year. I'm trying to think of any other helpful things, you know, for our guys out there, gals out there who because there's a lot of stress around this topic of, you know, figuring out where you're going to go and, you know, and, and feel and once you find the place, feeling good with their their offer and knowing how to talk about it and all that that stuff like that. Any other words of wisdom you have? The most important thing I feel like residents can do when searching for a job is to really define your location. Identify exactly where you want to be, get the lay of the land and go from there. Work where you want to live. Work hard for your upper level residents and stay in touch with them, you know, as you progress through your training. Aim to find a practice that is the best fit. That's super, super important. Uh, And that's kind of where scope of practice comes into play. You know, don't join a practice that does a ton of trauma if you have no interest in taking hospital call. Understand that, you know, your scope of practice can certainly change throughout your career. And, you know, look at Joe Niamtu, for example, Uh, it was important for me to join a practice uh, that was interested in expanding their scope of practice and also interested in, you know, having somebody partner in. You know, a good friend of mine once said, you know, you have, you can pick two out of three options, money, scope, and location, you know, only pick two and, you know, decide what's important to you. That's really good. I like that. I mean, probably hard to get all three of those one is easy probably two is a little more challenging but you have to have some flexibility in that equation right because you may get stuck and not not be able to find something that matches all of that you know just, just because it's you know your first job it certainly doesn't mean it's your last job again that circles back to identify where you want to live and go there and what about joining a group what advice do you have for people if, if you are going to join a group and how to feel comfortable with those people you're joining. Joining a group for me was just exactly where I wanted to go. I like having the camaraderie of other people around. Uh, I just thought it would be helpful, you know, with other people having trained in different locations under different attendings, uh, people that have been out for a couple of years. Um, it's for me, that was what I wanted. If I had a question about something, God forbid there's an emergency that you have to deal with, it's always nice to, you know, just be. A little bit more relaxed that somebody else is you know just around the corner i think there's a whole spectrum of you know of, of desire coming out of residency some of us want to be the man the, you know right out of the gates and own our own practice others still kind of want that security of a group some some people want somewhere in between where they have a side job and things like that but I do think it's very hard and, 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 you know, to get everything you want right when you start day one, you know, it's nearly impossible because um, even if you buy your own place or start something from scratch, you're going to be several months of building up and crappy income and all sorts of stuff. So I think it is important to have realistic expectations 
And certainly if you can find a good group and you feel comfortable with the the guys or girls are joining, it's much less stress uh, than doing your own thing. Absolutely. You know, you come to work and see your consults, do your cases, take your call and, you know, you just kind of take it day by day. And uh, you've been practicing there for a couple of months now. Any good things you've been learning about being in a group? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they have a really cool digital way of doing full arch dental implants, something that I've never seen before in meetings. I haven't ever read in a textbook. And uh, it's just really cool to see the the use of the technology and CAD cam and 3D printing and everything. Really neat stuff. Do they do any surgeries together or, or is everyone kind of doing their own thing or how does it work? All of the hospital cases are always done with two of us, whether it be trauma or orthognathics or TMJ, there's always at least two of us. Uh, me being kind of, me being the new guy, I'm always there. And then doing all of the, you know, the post-op checks and following up available by phone. And it's all about owning it. And that's probably a good advice as well. Um, when you start your, if you are doing an associateship or joining a group, I mean, I think Having a very good work ethic and kind of proving your worth, so to speak, is is important. Um, I know it may be kind of depressing to think that uh, you kind of have to start, you know, almost like a first year again. And you're thinking, oh, I was just a chief and I was, you know, and now I kind of have to start at the bottom of the totem pole. But, you know, we've done it before. Why can't you do it again and, and learn and, and be, you know, be productive and show your worth? And that's going to always be beneficial to you my program director always said life is a series of ladders <laughs> <laughs> right get off one and start at the bottom of the next one. <laughs> oh well cool um i think super helpful stuff we've had other people on the podcast too that have you know d- discussed opening up things from scratch and you know going into corporate from the beginning just all all sorts of different of things and i think what you're saying is similar, but also really good to hear from a perspective of someone joining a group because we haven't really discussed that much. Excellent. Any other um, thoughts you have or, or words for our listeners out there? My Excel spreadsheet probably had about 150 different practices on it. I really left no stone unturned. I made so many new relationships. I met a lot of fantastic people in our specialty. I was fortunate in that I ended up with exactly what I wanted. You know, I encourage anybody to reach out to me if they have any specific questions. My email is lehrer, L-E-H-R-E-R at nigelcoastoralsurgery.com. Ian, thank you so much for sharing that. We have four rapid fire questions for you. First one is, what is the best book you've read in the past year? Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. A really good book to read whenever you're in between a big transition in your life. Very profound (laughs) book for sure. The next question is, what non-oral surgery thing have you done in the past that helps you with your daily oral surgery skills? Well, uh, we just had a new baby, so I'm up all night, every night, changing diapers. So, <laughs> that's helped me stay awake. <laughs> Having kids. <laughs> that's a new one. I like that. <laughs> Become a parent, guys Become and girls parent. out there. You should do it. It looks good on you. Yeah, that will help you. No, but that's more true than you realize. I mean parenting has taught me so much uh, and it ha- forced me to become more patient you know more <laughs> it's so true uh, 
understanding just so much more methodical and, and careful and uh, w- with what I do anyways. So yeah, that's a great one. Next question is what forceps would you use to extract tooth number 24? Tooth number 24. It's all about the ash for me. You're an ash man. Sometimes I, cause I am also a big ash man myself, but sometimes with his smaller teeth, and maybe it's the ash I'm using. It's, it's just too wide, you know, to grab onto it without touching 23 or 25. Do you ever have that experience or do you have like a super thin ash or something? There are thinner ones. So just get the right, get the right ash. <laughs> just get the right one. <laughs> that makes <laughs> sense. All right. And the last question is, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote. I don't know who said it, but it was told to me once. You can either go through life and be humble or you will be humbled. Well said. And yeah, totally, totally true. Good one too for us too as oral surgeons that are quote unquote at the top of the uh, dental world. Yeah, got to be humble for sure. And you step foot in a hospital and you're the dentist. Yep, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Yes. That reminds me of the quote that kind of paints the picture of how the oral surgeon is looked at by the dentists in the world and then by the doctors. And the quote is, to a dentist, a doctor, to a doctor, a dentist. You know, that's that's how everyone looks at us. Like dentists think, yeah, this guy, has, you know, that's the doctor in our field. He's the one who got the medical degree or at least went most the most amount of schooling than anyone else. And then doctors look at us like, what are you talking about, man? You're just a dentist. You don't know anything. So... It's kind of a funny limbo place where we find ourselves. Anyways, Ian, you're the man. Thank you so much for spending time and kind of sharing your experience with finding a practice and being willing to field any questions for listeners out there. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, Grant. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good rest of the day. Good luck with the baby. Take care. Okay. Bye. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. If you are an oral and maxillofacial surgeon and would like to be on this podcast, please email me at grantstuckey at gmail.com or text me at 720-441-6059. Also, if you have any topics that you would like to hear discussed or feedback on a certain episode that has already aired, please call or email or text me. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode.